0: Part number seven of 12 in the Getting Started in OCR series. Today, we are talking about how to fuel your obstacle course race. I wanted to start this off by saying this is not rocket science. So while there is a lot that goes into nutrition, you really don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out how to fuel your own body. And as athletes, we are always looking for that edge, how much can we get out of ourselves, we want more, we want to do it better, and we want to go faster. But when we get down to it, if we aren't covering the basics, the rest won't matter. So Like I said in the initial part of this whole series, we are talking to people who live busy lives and if you have the time to go do the research and do all of these different experiments on yourself, rock on, but we are just gonna cover some of the basics. So what do the basics look like? First, let's talk about protein. We've heard this before, protein is the building block of muscle. There are tons of calculators out there that can tell you exactly how many grams of protein you need based on your body weight and you're based on your goals. And as a former figure competitor and competitive fitness coach, I know all too well about the measuring, weighing, and timing the grams of protein. So those days are long gone, and I no longer have to obsess about such numbers because I boiled it down to figure out what worked for me on a daily basis. So I'm gonna go through that. Obviously, you're not me, you are you. So you can just kind of use what I've done to figure out what works for you. So for me personally, I am five foot nine, I weigh about 145 pounds. I consume about 15 to 30 grams of protein for each meal in the three to five meals I have each day. And that three to five meals really just depends on my level of activity and really more importantly, how much sleep I've gotten. So if it's one of those days where I had to be awake at four or 45 in the morning, didn't get back to bed until 11 at night, those days I'm gonna have five meals. But if it's the weekend, I was able to go to bed early on a Saturday night, woke up late on a Sunday, maybe I only need three meals. So then let's talk about carbohydrates. This includes fruits, veggies, and starches such as rice, oats, potatoes, and winter squash. A lot of people think that carbs just mean your starchy vegetables, but it encompasses all of that stuff. So like protein intake you can calculate your recommended daily dose and that really is a great way to kind of get a feeling for what your body needs and bring some awareness to portion size because as athletes we want to get the most bang for our buck and sometimes if we're carrying extra weight that could slow us down or make us fall off monkey bars or if we're not eating quite enough then maybe it could make us feel less than energetic. So if you want to bring some awareness to your portion size go ahead and figure out your macronutrients and calculate it out and log it for a few days just to get an idea. So at this point though, measuring starches is the big thing that I measure because it's easy to go overboard on that and then they can be calorie dense. So, you know, if I'm gonna measure something, maybe I'll pull out the measuring cup, like half a cup or cup, whatever. The green veggies I have as much as possible in every single meal. For fruit, I'll have a couple pieces a day. Uh, in the summer, obviously, want more. In the winter, maybe not quite as much. So like protein intake... If you can calculate, you're recommended to get a really good baseline to feel what it's like to have some portion awareness going on. Uh, at the end of the day, your goal is to not have to measure away and calculate everything, but this gives you a good idea of where to start. So, just like protein, I have some sort of carbohydrate in each meal. Sometimes it's something like a starch, like sweet potato. Uh, sometimes it is fruit. But I always try to have a green veg in every single meal. So even in shakes, I'll put kale in my shake. Um, Spinach is, frozen spinach is another great option. You can't taste spinach at all. The biggest thing that I say to watch out for here is processed foods. So if it has to go through a process, it's processed. You know, we're talking about like cakes and chips and crackers and all that stuff. Stick with more of the oats, And the sweet potatoes, those are way more nutrient-dense. Fats. Fat doesn't make you fat, so eat it. It is calorie-dense, though, so make sure you're not eating too much of it. Again, just a little bit of portion awareness. Just in the beginning, once you kind of get that down, you won't have to continue to to pay attention to that so close. If you've already got it, awesome. So fats are incredibly important for our health and for happiness. Our brain needs fat. Did you know that? We have to pay attention to what kind of fats though. Fats are always up for debate. So be careful what you read. Some say that saturated fats are awful and some say that saturated fats are amazing. And so as a general rule, I tend to stick with good fats such as avocados, some nuts. You don't want them roasted because that damages the fats. I do stick with coconut oil, grass-fed butter. I have bacon. I have red meat. I don't go overboard on it. But If you want to read up on that, go for it. I'm not going to include it here. It's a little extensive. But more and more research is showing that olive oil should not be used for cooking. And it it shouldn't be used as much as we've been using it in general. So it shouldn't be used for cooking because it has a pretty low smoke point. So if you're going to cook with an oil, you don't want it to... Change its molecular structure while you're cooking with it. So you want something that has a very high smoke point. That's one of the reasons that I use grass-fed butter and coconut oil a lot. They both have high smoke points. So in the show notes, I included my daily nutrition, give or take, just kind of break it down between times and amounts and items. Um, you'll see I have a couple meal replacement shakes each day. That's super convenient. Uh, you don't have to cook too so much food. Uh, Definitely use plenty of pink Himalayan sea salt. We always hear salt's bad for you. So the processed salt's bad for you. Some of that salt they're using, they're using chemicals in order to process it, which is clearly bad. But pink Himalayan sea salt is not that. use it. Uh, Steven's nutrition his daily nutrition is pretty close to mine give or take and he just eats more of it because he's about 70 pounds more than me so he would eat more. (laughs) Pre-race nutrition pickle juice and chicken broth we have a lot of that the week of a race because sodium really is your friend when you're getting ready for an obstacle course race so we make sure that we include plenty of that. And really, your pre race nutrition should be pretty much the same as your daily nutrition, but maybe add in an extra sweet potato before you go to bed the night before you race. And that morning for breakfast, race with the same fuel you've been training with. This is really important. Race day is never a good time to change anything not your food, not your gear, nothing. So make sure that you're getting a nice long endurance run in after you're eating breakfast just to kind of see how your stomach feels and what it does. And that goes for your during race nutrition too. Try everything that you're going to race with before you're racing. During race nutrition is an area where athletes really, really like to experiment. But like I said, experiment and training first. So Stephen and I prefer to run on fats for more of the first part of the race for like something that is about, you know, eight miles or longer, something shorter, just regular breakfast no special anything. I don't think I really even carry anything with me on those shorter races, but it depends on what your body is conditioned to. So if three to five miles is a really long distance for you, then you might need a little bit of nutrition when you're on this course. There are lots of other podcasts out there that really talk about using fats during racing, all of these different racing techniques. Like I said, I mean, go listen to those. That gets super scientific and those guys do a really great job at what they do. I'm just covering the basics because if you don't have the basics down, it's harder to benefit from doing something special. So protein bars is something that we carry uh, along and it's great because you can just stuff it right into your hydration pack or a zipper pocket. Our favorites include the Exoprotein Bar, which we actually have a discount code for. So if you put in the Ath Elite, you can get 20% off. So it's T-H-E-A-T-H-E-L-I-T-E into the discount code box on EXO protein bars. We put the link in the show notes. And we also use the Isagenix meal replacement bars. Those things taste like candy bars. They're pretty darn good. So some people prefer goo packs. We love the individual packs of cashew almond, coconut butter, things like that. Um, So that's for fats, goo is for carbohydrates. And the shot blocks that Spartan Race hands out on some of the courses have saved us more than a few times. So I kind of think, why risk it, take your own. One more note about the exoprotein protein bars. I really don't think that you get any more Spartan than eating cricket protein. So it's just the flour. You're not going to be eating crickets. Um, But crickets aren't just for military survival training, apparently. Then we have post-race nutrition. And as much as you want to go out and have that free beer they give you after the race, there really couldn't be a worse time to consume alcohol. So if you're going to have that beer, which we do most of the time, just stick with one. Um, Having more could really cause a lot of damage because if you think about it, you just damaged the crap out of your muscles. You just went and ran and you climbed and you jumped and your muscles have been destroyed. So they are super primed to take in whatever you give it. So alcohol probably isn't the best thing. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy it though. So, what we like to do typically is we'll have uh, one of the Isogenics meal replacement shakes as soon as we finish racing, have a bunch of water, and then have our beer and usually grab whatever food they have there too, like a turkey leg or something like that, so that you are not just slamming your body with toxin. Because, as much fun as alcohol is, it really is a toxin. So, you know, if you have that in mind, you won't wake up feeling double crappy because you just beat yourself up on a course and then fed yourself a bunch of alcohol. So that's kind of one way that we get around. Not feeling like garbage and still getting our beer in. Lots and lots and lots of questions about pre-workout supplements. My advice, Steven's advice and many other people's advice is to avoid them. They have been terrible for some people's health. Some people that I know have just wrecked their health using pre-workout supplements. So in the show notes, I include some links for why. I'm not going to go into all of this stuff. My recommendation is just to stay as far away from them as you possibly can. A cup of coffee is great. The titles of these are anxiety and depersonalization caused by pre-workout supplements, adrenal fatigue and pre-workout supplements, and the dark side of taking pre-workout supplements. Branch chain amino acids, BCAAs, are often talked about, but if you are taking a protein powder supplement and it has great quality, you don't need to take a separate BCAA. So BCAAs, sold on their own, almost always contain some sort of artificial sweetener and or artificial flavors. So what happened here was the supplement industry saw that there was a health benefit to branch chain amino acids. So they figured out how to create them using a synthetic process and then market them. Synthetic means that your body doesn't use them the same way they would if they were naturally occurring. So the supplement industry is very tricky. And since it's not regulated by the FDA, they can pretty much say what they want and not really have to prove it unless people are getting very sick or dying or there's tons and tons of complaints. Complaints against them. So in this case of the branch chain amino acids, I'm also in grad school studying marketing, what they can do is they can market the benefits of branched chain amino acids. So they can say, oh, all of these studies were done and they showed that branch chain amino acids did A, B, and C. So they can put that study out there, but then they can sell their synthetic version. They're hoping that you are going to connect those dots to think, oh, this supplement did those things, but that's not always the case. Pretty tricky, huh? Which brings me to protein powders. So we are asked this question a lot. Which protein powder is the best? And as you can imagine, there are thousands to choose from. So I'm going to give you a list of things to avoid and things that you want to look out for. Like as in want. Something to avoid. Soy. For every reason, from soy contains phytoestrogens, to it is cheap, to the body doesn't use it well, and to the fact that most of it is genetically modified, soy is by far the worst protein powder choice. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, just Google the dangers of soy. You'll read lots of them. The other thing to avoid is artificial flavors and colors. These chemicals can wreak havoc on our bodies. Artificial sweeteners. I will sometimes let artificial flavor or color slide, but I never let artificial sweeteners go, especially sucralose, aka Splenda, and this is why. Sucralose is highly processed with three chlorine atoms. That's what makes it calorie free. It is simply chlorinated sugar and has been shown to damage the thymus gland and inflame the liver and kidneys. Chlorine is a natural antiseptic that harms the human gut and destroys microflora leading to candida formation, irritable bowel syndrome, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, and obesity. So those are the top things to avoid. But what things to look for includes a great branched chain amino acid profile. That's huge. So then you don't need BCAAs that have been synthetically produced. Meal replacement shakes having too few calories that leave you hungry and insufficiently fueled. That's something else that you wanna really watch for. A meal really needs to be a meal, as in over 200 calories. So then people ask, what do we use? As I indicated above in my meal plan for each day, we use IsoGenics, and we've been using that since 2010. It's awesome. So if we're not eating cricket flour, we are using IsoGenics. (laughs) That is pretty much it for some overall fueling your body. We didn't get super in depth. If you wanna get super in depth, there's all kinds of stuff to look up out there. We're all athletes here. So we wanna get our performance better and I don't know that we really wanna to spend too much time obsessing over the food, but it really does matter. So to sum this up, eat real food, eat multiple meals a day, have them balanced with protein, carbohydrates, and fats from the most natural source possible, stay hydrated, don't slam your body with alcohol as soon as you're finished racing, and it's not rocket science. So stick around for episode number eight. Coming up next, choosing your first race. We will talk about course selection and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. OCR Radio. Get out, get dirty, get living.